you, 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 you are about to experience Vegas bad boys of podcasting. Fortunately, you are about to hear lots of opinions, but uh, rarely any facts. Impersonations might occur, but uh, good luck trying to figure them out. This program is not intended for kids or the easily offended. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. You press play. It's too late to stop. Get ready to podcast. Welcome to another edition of Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting. I'm DJ Impact and I got Matt Michaels and Sin City Steve with us and welcome to three count we don't have simon street this week but we hopefully will have him back next week so uh, the show keeps on going on with three count though we choose three topics that made the news headlines somewhere in the world of the wrestling community and we pull them out and said let's see if we should discuss this so if you're watching us live on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, or Twitch, feel free to throw your comments in, and we will try to get it in as we see fit. If you're just listening to us through the podcast, thanks for downloading. We appreciate it. Make sure you tell others about us as well. All right, let's get right into it. It's time. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting present. One, two, three. Count Talk. Count Talk, baby. Here's our first one. One. From CagesideSeats.com, it's titled Vince McMahon refers to released WWE wrestlers as dead weight. This is how it reads. WWE released more than 80 wrestlers in 2021, mostly due to budget cuts. That number soars well above 100 since the start of the global pandemic. Despite WWE setting the records for achieving the highest profits in company history during this time. But during his interview with Pat McAfee show, Pat asked Vince how these roster decisions weigh on his mind. And here's the exchange. McAfee said, hey, people always assume that you just have no heart and you do not care at all about any of these people. Are any of those decisions more difficult than others? Or is it just always what will make the best show in your eyes? McMahon responded by saying, I'm always concerned about what's best for the audience, always. What does the audience want? And if you have dead weight around, you have situations whereby someone's not cutting it and you have an opportunity for someone else to come in. It's like, okay, that's probably the best thing. It's one of the reasons why with Hulk Hogan and a lot of those guys who left me at one time, I brought them back. What's best for business if the audience wants Hulk Hogan back, you bring him back if he has value that way. Then it says, okay, so Pat brings up, this is back to the writer here. He said, Pat brings up the perception that McMahon is a heartless bastard. And Vince starts out by describing all the released wrestlers as, quote, dead weight, end quote. That's something a heartless bastard would say. Also, I'm trying to follow along with Vince's logic here, and I think he's implying that he released 80-plus plus wrestlers in 2021 because that's what the audience wanted him to do. I don't recall any fans passionately arguing that WWE needed to cut the budget in order to put on a better television show. McMahon then explains how taking the company public took a lot of weight off his mind when it comes to firing employees and wrestlers. And this is what McMahon says. 
once I took the comp- company public, it helped me be a better businessman because prior to that, I was running the business with my head, but mostly with my heart as well. And these decisions are so damn tough when you do that because you know who it is, you know he has kids or someone has cancer in the family and all that computes in your head. But once you're a public company, now you go, you go stockholders. It is the business then. So it helps me make easier and better business decisions because my heart, there's, there's still some of it in there. I know it sounds awful, but there it, but there is. But at the same time, it's business, and there's nothing personal about it in terms of whether I like somebody or I don't like someone or whatever. Now, back to the writer here. He says, so let me get this straight, McMahon. Used to consider a wrestler's personal circumstances such as cancer in the family, but now Vince only cares about stockholders? It makes it so much easier to ignore all that shit and just fire away. Yes, Vince, you are right. That does sound awful. At least Vince clarifies that the audience he supposedly listens to isn't actually WWE fans. It's the WWE stockholders. That's the audience that is happy when he fires 80 wrestlers in one year. And then Vince wraps up the topic by saying wrestlers make too many excuses when he fires them. McMahon said that sometimes athletes, when they're, not given the opportunity or, or or if they are and it doesn't work, people from all works of life seldom look in the mirror and say, you know what? I was the guy who fucked up. It was on me. Instead, everyone has a million excuses to why things didn't work. And generally speaking, the heat has to go on someplace, the old blame game, and I'm the bad guy. That's part of the job. Now, the writer sums up by saying this. Right. So wrestlers who are given no opportunity should point the fingers at themselves for Vince McMahon decisions. Yes. Hit row. You are 100 percent to blame for getting released by McMahon just a few weeks after being caught up to SmackDown. The same goes for you, Tegan Knox. How dare you not get over after WWE randomly broke up your tag team and never brought you back on television? You should really look in the mirror, admit that you fucked up, and stop blaming Vince McMahon for his decision to fire you. The truth of the matter, of course, is that each and every case is different, and there are varying amounts of blame to go around between McMahon, the wrestler, other actors, and luck. But McMahon is instead acting like he doesn't deserve to be called the bad guy, and it's all the fault of the dead weight wrestlers. That sounds to me like someone who needs to look in the mirror and stop making excuses. Wow. Matt Michaels, this guy absolutely is making the case that Vince McMahon is the problem. Now, you pulled this particular article. What was your take when you read it? You know, it's uh, it's very interesting because wrestling is a um, a medium in which I think that the fans believe that they know what's best, right? Mm -hmm. It's been something that has uh, always kind of been that way. Um, You know, the, the honest truth is that, um, you know, Vince McMahon is, uh, is Jeff Bezos or, you know, any other wealthy business owner. Right. Right. And so, you have to look at it uh, as a 50-50. 50% of the people are going to agree with what you do, and 50% are going to disagree with what you do. Mm-hmm. Because of that fact, um, people believe in having businessmen run businesses, right? Yeah. 
Right. And those people who are the um, the ones who benefit the most from that are the people who have no association with, um, you know, their their employees other than um, the numbers game. And let's face it, Vince is taking the blame, but he's also not the one who's necessarily doing it. Because McMahon didn't release all these people until Nick Khan got involved. Mm -hmm. So he found someone who comes from a sporting background. And, um, you know, like many front offices and sporting teams, um, you say goodbye to popular athletes when they're not profitable to you. Now, the problem with wrestling is that could be a lot of different factors. You know, it's not performance straight out. It's character. It's development. It's, you know, part of your writing staff. I think that if you're going to, um, and it's interesting too, because we focus on the um, wrestlers themselves, mm -hmm. but we don't focus on all the front office people that were let go too. So that makes it, a, you know, a totally different ball game as well. There are so many more floating parts in pro wrestling than almost any other entertainment aspect out there. You know, um, you no one points a finger at the head of 20th Century Fox Studios if they're doing good. But, well, I guess Disney now, uh, since they own. Mm -hmm. But as soon as, you know, the revenue isn't where it, you know, is expected to be, um, it's the it's the fronts of these companies that get fired in your in your big and in entertainment industry companies. So, um, you know, well, what I let me ask you this: What's the difference though between you? Let's say you're Vince McMahon, and and what how you explaining it? Someone goes, "Okay, I get that, I understand that." On the other hand, if what comes out of your way is go, let's come out of your mouth is is that. Hey, these guys were dead weight. Does adding that term take away from what it is you're trying to say? Because now it's making it seem like it's not necessarily just um, so you know a business for stockholders, but you know just more of uh, I don't really so, give a fuck about you. So would you would you refer to Eva Marie as anything other than dead weight? Eva Marie was not. She was, she was one of the. Weight. She was one of the one hundred, but you couldn't claim all one hundred was dead weight. I'm. I'm saying that you know, in in Vince's speaking of, the, and he didn't go out of his way to say dead weight, as in they're all dead weight. It was that idea of if something needs to be cut because it's not helping your monetary budget out, you got to cut it. And I, like I said, you know, you're looking at a roster right now that still has a lot of dead weight. Aziz, Apollo Crews, T-Bar, fucking uh, Shanky and Jinder. Veer hasn't even got on TV. He's such dead weight. So you can't really see. See, we like to choose. We like to pick and choose and we go well i like this guy so he's saying that that guy's dead weight that sucks that's awful 
But then you look at some of the names on the list and you're like, oh, that person was in NXT for like seven years and I still don't know who the fuck they are. Yeah, dead weight. Okay, so. let me let me jump over here to uh, to you, Sin City, because I mean, listen, I'm sure a lot of <laughs> AEW fans will probably want to agree to some of this, what was happening. But I would say before they start judging, you know, at some point, Mr. Tony Khan, Mr. Businessman himself is going to have to make decisions. Now, I don't know if it'll be as rigorous because, it, you know, I don't I don't believe AEW is uh, publicly traded, but if it ever do become, he may have to do that too. So what's your take when you, when you were reading about this article? I mean, realistically, at the end of the day, Vince McMahon and WWE are beholden to the stock owners. At the end of the day, that is their true audience. Um, I think that this interview was really eye-opening for a lot of reasons. I highly recommend that if you have the time to seek out this interview and listen to it in full, uh, it's over an hour and a half. Uh, obviously make sure that you finish uh, listening to this wonderful show first. Thank you. Um, but then, uh, after that, yeah, definitely seek it out. I think the one thing that is, is very important is that Vince did, he said, he said the quiet part out loud. They're only fans or their their target audience or uh, he actually used the uh, the term focus group that they have a focus group every week um it's going to be your stockholders um yes the fans in the arena are going to make noise they're going to be the ones that are buying your merch buying your stuff you know uh, helping your bottom line but at the end of the day the stock owners are the most important people for wwe and he finally Somebody within WWE has finally said the quiet part out loud. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was that was something that really stood out to me. Now, definitely, uh, I, I disagree with uh, you know the whole notion of everybody that got that got terminated or let go was because they were dead weight. Um, and you know, it's it's one of those things that the the number one thing that as i was reading to this and as you were reading it just now mm -hmm. what came to mind was i really want to know the real name of this article uh of this of this author um of this article because it it says the byline is by kane a knight uh, i highly doubt that that's his real name um <laughs> or if it's even a he but whatever sure. the, the case might be it, I'm, I'm genuinely curious if this person just has an axe to grind against WWE, against Vince McMahon, or if, uh, you know, they maybe were affiliated with WWE and uh, either they were let go or someone that they knew were let go. Because it's, this, it's Shane McMahon. It's Shane. <laughs> See, That's the, the reason he used Kane. <laughs> right. The, the thing that kills me is it's like, I mean... This article was just bashing Vince from from top to bottom. It right. was, it was really that was the number one thing that stood out to me. Um, yeah. Generally, when somebody's trying to be objective, you know, they'll say something positive whatsoever, or, right. or at least attempt to to formulate something positive. This author didn't even choose to do that, so yeah. this was a one sided hit piece, as far as I'm concerned. No doubt. All right, thank you, gentlemen, for that. Let's go right into. Count two. And this one is from Sports Illustrated. SI.com. It is titled All Elite Wrestling CEO Tony Khan Announces Purchase of Ring of Honor. 
And it reads like this. this after hyping that he had a huge announcement to make, Khan opened Wednesday's episode of Dynamite by revealing that he has purchased wrestling promotion Ring of Honor from Sinclair Broadcast Group, which had owned ROH since buying the company from, from Kerry Silken in 2011. The deal includes ROH Video Library, the brand assets, intellectual property, production equipment, and more. ROH Video Library dates back to 2002 and features footage of many wrestlers who are now signed to AEW. Financial terms of the agreement were disclosed. The purchase is being completed through an entity that is wholly owned by Khan. Quote, Ring of Honor's influence on modern professional wrestling is etched permanently in the history books, and this acquisition ensures that its legacy will be kept alive and treated with the utmost respect. End quote, Khan said in a press release. Quote, the deal adds thousands of hours of content to our rapidly growing library and creates new opportunities to expand our footprint on national and global scale while having the potential to produce new content on, under the Ring of Honor banner. I will immediately begin exploring opportunities to make ROH video library available to fans who will have the opportunity to witness the beginnings of the careers of some of AEW's biggest stars, end quote. And then it talks about ROH celebrated its 20th anniversary last month as part of the celebration. AEW, CM Punk, and Brian Danielson were inducted as members of the inaugural ROH Hall of Fame class. All right. Let's move over to you here, Sin City. This was your article. I'm sure you were uh, pretty excited, as you had mentioned, that you thought this could possibly be what this announcement uh, ended up being. What's your take? Well, um, you know, I'd, I'd actually like to uh, go back one week when we had a we all fielded a guess as to what this big announcement was going to be by Tony Khan. And uh, I definitely remember that I said that we would learn that Tony Khan um, would be uh, we would find that Tony Khan would has purchased Ring of Honor uh, and the Ring of Honor video library. Um when I said that, I could tell that I that I caught you off guard by saying that impact. But uh, that's exactly what we learned this Wednesday, uh, this past Wednesday on Dynamite, was that uh, Tony Khan has purchased Ring of Honor, the Ring of Honor video library, and all intellectual property associated. Um, I think that what we're going to see is, um, I don't necessarily think that they're going to run uh, run shows in. Um, in competition with AEW or anything of that nature. Um, I genuinely think that they're going to use ROH as a way to spotlight people as a way to, uh, act as a bit of a feeder system. Um, and it's going to help to get those, uh, those unseasoned talents that we've talked about for three years that need to, you know, get more in ring time. I think that this is going to be a perfect opportunity to, uh, send some of those people to ring of honor, mm -hmm. have them work regular shows. And, uh, it's, it's, just exactly what it needed to be. And uh, I'm really interested to see where we go from here. Um, I'm, I'm super excited as a longtime ring of honor fan. Um, and I, I, I can only imagine how the rest of the fan base is. I will tell you, I, I'm a ring of honor fan myself. And I was really hoping that the announcement them getting back started in around April was, you know, as they're going to do a show that they really was working on, putting putting their business back together and um i'm not sure how i feel about this deal to not know that this is not going to be something that is that's still 
up and running. Um, I think um, I'm kind of sad to see Ring of Honor uh, really just kind of go. I, I mean, unless for some reason, you know, he was to allow it to continue how it's, you know, been running, letting the the the, the writers, the players, the wrestlers kind of, you know, run that show and he stay out of it. But to not really use, uh, use any of these, um, you know, not to put the show back on or use any of these – these guys in in terms of with Ring of Honor and throwing them either on AEW or not using them at all or maybe on Impact. I don't know, man. I don't know how I really feel about that. To be honest, <laughs> Matt Michaels, what was your what's your take on this whole deal? Um, well, you got to look at it like this. Start from the fact that, as we know it, I don't think um, I don't think guys are under contract to Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Essentially, so he's not picking up any contracts. Yeah. So that's going to be a big question. Um, you know, even what they have signed for the upcoming show in April, mm-hmm. um, is that part of, you know, are they covering the costs? You know, most likely they are, which means that that will probably get a higher um, exposure because they'll probably use AEW talent on it. I would assume that would be the easiest way um for AEW to get involved in WrestleMania weekend without you know technically running one of their shows um as a feeder system i think that it's absolutely a fucking asinine idea in this sense um ROH had its own fan base a lot of those fans are AEW's fan base if you now take the talent that you've been using on dark and now you're putting it onto ROH um, and you're just using the ROH name, you now have essentially ECW uh, in the WWE system Mm -hmm. because it's still going to be AEW regardless. Right. So, you know, they're really what he ended up purchasing here is a tape library. And that's, you know, that's really what it comes down to. Um, because in all honesty, uh, go and look at, you know, the, the fans you're trying to build. Is that even something that, you know, fans who are not... CM Punk coming out to his Ring of Honor theme... How many fans that are AEW fans are not aware of that at all, right? They don't know his history. Mm -hmm. So the marks, the people who followed, will be the ones to respond to that. But the people who never knew that, never knew him as ROH, what the fuck is this music, right? So they're, they're still doing a weird thing, and that is... They're placating to the audience that they have, but they're not opening up why we should know about this to the audience you want to build. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense. And I think that also, I think one of the, um, the highlights in terms of like, Oh yeah, Tony's going to build this and it will be, you know, develop system and et cetera, et cetera. And all you have to do is look at, the image from the pay-per-view and that is 
you had Moxley, Daniel Bryant, and uh, William Regal all in the same ring. That's a WWE show. So now, if you're expecting ROH to become their feeder system, so now ROH is becoming the show that AEW was supposed to be when they started because they weren't going to be the WWE. But now that their main show is just the WWE people, we need a place to put the people that are not WWE people that no one knows that we can develop so they can come onto our TV. It's 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 chaos. Mm. Like there's no plan in place. And it seems like, the, like he just, dad, I want to buy another wrestling company. <laughs> oh, okay. Here's the check. Yeah. I don't know. Any rebuttal on that, uh, city? Are you good? <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's, there's not really too much to rebut. Yeah. It's, um, I I think that you know keeping the Ring of Honor name and branding around is is definitely going to be the best thing to do. Um, and let's call it what it is. This also allows us to get closer to a time when um, a rumored uh, another rumored announcement was that they were going to be you know utilizing a streaming service like an HBO Max or something of that nature. So if that now does come to fruition, now they can easily put the entire ROH tape library in, you know, the, the 20 years of programming from Ring of Honor right up there on HBO Max. I, I, it, just build more content and yeah. essentially create your own wrestling network. Yeah. But, you know, what's interesting with that, though, and, and I think this is the, the main question. So the WWE went about it where... Um, they acquired, you know, as much as they could acquire, but a lot of it was in the sense because there was no other place to showcase the stuff. Okay. So they were able to get the stuff. The question becomes with AEW, we're talking about a company that's not anywhere near five years old, even right now. What interest is there for kids or younger fans in watching old ROH things that's the that's the key question here right. does that tape library just jack up your price or does it become relevant that people would actually be watching that because essentially AEW doesn't have enough fucking of their own library to be on a streaming network right Exactly, so that's which which is which is why this was a strategic move that definitely needed to happen, um, and I don't I don't think that they're finished. I don't think that uh, that uh, Tony is done buying toys. I think that he's still going to uh, you know look into purchasing and acquiring other intellectual properties. Wow! All right, good stuff, guys. Let's go right over into our count three. Three, and this one. From Sports Illustrated again. It's titled Using Lessons Learned in WWE. Matt Cardona paves a new path to wrestling success. The former Zack Ryder is one of the hottest commodities on the independent circuit, currently carrying five titles. Let's take a listen to this quick read here. And uh, Matt Cardona, I'm showing you 
and and this is a just a quick little uh, highlight before I get with it. It says Matt Cardona, I'm showing you you don't need WWE or AEW to be a successful pro wrestler. So it just quickly says that in 2011, Cardona ignited a fury with his Z True Long Island story show on YouTube. He generated a fanfare during a time when he was not receiving any on WWE programming, showcasing his value and laying the groundwork for a run that turned his beloved Zack Ryder character into a legitimate star. 11 years later, Cardona has found a new way to resonate with a wide audience, becoming a signature face for a multitude of wrestling promotion and their streaming services. Quote, I opened up floodgate for this whole generation of wrestlers to get over by using the internet with my YouTube show. And now I'm showing you don't need WWE or AEW to be a successful pro wrestler. End quote, Cardona says. I'm proving that you can just bust your ass and do it your way. Now, after an attention-grabbing run this summer as GCW champ, Cardona is currently carrying five titles. Those include the Impact Wrestling Digital Media Championship, his own internet championship belt, indie promotion, AIW's Absolute and Intense titles, and his most recent acquisition, the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. And Cardona defeated Trevor Murdoch for the belt two weeks ago, and he plans to add a whole new vigor to what he believes is an antiquated brand. Quote, this is my opportunity to be the top guy, says Cardona, who would defend the title next month against former champ Nick Aldis at the NWA Crockett Cup. Quote, but just because I'm in this position doesn't mean I'm going to sugarcoat how I feel. When I was a kid growing up, I thought the NWA was old, dated, and boring. I was a WWF fan. Now it's 30 years later, and I still think that NWA is old and dated and boring. I'm here to save the place, even if I'm getting booed for it, end quote. And the Cardona presents himself in wrestling as the hero, which only makes audiences more eager to view him as the villain. This was magnified in July when he won the GCW title as if he was treated oh, as as he was treated with disdain by crowds at the company shows. He remained an important cog in G GCW's growth appearing this Friday at their Welcome to Heartbreak show in Los Angeles where he will tag with longtime friend Brian Myers, the former Kurt Hawkins, against Joey Janela and the returning Sean Waltman. Quote, we're coming to beat them up, get some buzz, and make some money, Cardona says. Quote, we have Chelsea Green by our side. We have matching gear. That is a throwback to our old indie gear. We're not coming to L.A. to lose even if Xbox picks return, end quote. Finish up, it says Cardona brings a high level of entertainment to his matches, which was on display in an inter in intergender match against Jordan Grace at Impact's No Surrender special last weekend. He, he and Grace works especially well together in an eight-minute match. Ended after Grace was disqualified, extending Cardona's reigns as the digital media champion. And in addition to their upcoming rematch, the air, which had already aired on TV, Cardona has a full plate of must-see matches on the horizon. This include a tag match next month with Myers, his major wrestling figure podcast partner at a big-time wrestling show in Albany, New York, against Matt and Jeff Hardy. This is the greatest time of my life and the greatest time of my career, Cardona says. I'm so busy working on podcasts, wrestling, and being on the gym. I love the grime, I love the hustle, and I love WWE, and I could pitch ideas, but 9 out of 10 times they wouldn't happen. Now I could do whatever I want. And using the acknowledged acquired during his 15-year run in WWE, Cardona is now redefining how to become a star. 
quote, everything I learned in WWE has made who I am today, Cardona says. I am not bitter. I don't resent WWE at all. When I say that WWE was my developmental, that's not a shot. It's the truth. I learned everything it takes to become a superstar while in WWE. That's understanding merchandise, knowing how to look for the hard camera in a match, presenting myself a certain way in interviews. All that was learned in WWE has made me who I am. All right, guys. So this was pretty interesting because Cordona is looking at this completely different. We sit back all the time talking about WWE and AEW and versus and this and that. This guy is saying, look, you don't need to have either one of them. You just got to work hard and and go out there in these shows and, you know, make it count, make it work. And he's doing it, you know, and he's showing exactly how, you know, how to do that. And I, I know it talks about how he um, he had his YouTube show. Let me ask you this, Sin City. He had his show before a Bucks had their BTE, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah he, uh, he was the, the first one of the first wrestling YouTubers. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and he does, and, and he also gives props to WWE saying, look, they have helped develop me to get to where I am. What do you think about this? When you uh, read it, is, does it look like that? Um, and I'll start with you since city that Cardona look like in many ways, he's, he's chose a different path, but a path that worked for him. And that could be a blueprint for how it works for other indie wrestlers. I, th I think that you made a really, really good point right there. Um, is that he could could he could be making a blueprint for how other people can do this exactly? Mm -hmm. um, just as he, you know, like what we just discussed, mm -hmm. um, he had his, uh, you know, Z, um, you know, the the True Long Island Story Channel, mm -hmm. and he did his vlog um, years before anything. Uh, any of the wrestlers that do vlogs now, I mean, half of the AEW roster, for instance, yeah. they have a vlog on YouTube. Right. Um, he, he was doing this a decade ago. Yeah. So I, I think that, I think that it's really interesting and Matt Cardona does take a lot of shit in this business, yeah, he does. but, but he's extremely smart and he, he has found ways to revitalize and use tools at his disposal in order to allow him to evolve through the game and blaze that path for others. It's awesome to see. Yeah. Let me ask you, uh, Matt Michaels, it's funny that he is, he was really, he was being truthful and, and, and I'll be honest, I, I kind of think the same way, you know, when you think of NWA and he says, look, man, I mean, I, I you know, it's dated, it's, it's old, it's, you know, he, he called it boring, but um, and then, of course, he threw in there that, hey, it's still there to, you know, still those 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 things he believed today. And he's here to save the place, even if he gets booed. But I guess the good thing is that with him being a part of an organization like NWA, he could make it very interesting to a point where maybe even those who are becoming newer fans, younger fans, maybe that doesn't even know anything about NWA could learn a lot about what NWA was about and see how, you know, the historical aspects of that company does this seem like a good thing that he's doing, right? So I think you just, um, you just, if, if Matt Cordova, if Matt Cordona doesn't, uh, if he doesn't think NWA was anything but boring at his age, kids ain't going to look back at the NWA at all. 
And that's kind of tying into what I was saying about the risk you're taking with ROH. Mm-hmm. That's 20 years old, some of that early stuff now. Right. And 20 years old for uh, you know uh, anyone between the ages of 10 and 20 is not a good thing. Right. So that's that's definitely um uh, you know it's it's a tough thing what's interesting is uh this idea that matt cardona spent 15 years in the wwe so he's not a um he's not a super indie guy he had a paycheck for He's probably fine if he doesn't have, you know, he can wrestle for 20 bucks if he wants just to do it for fun. Yeah. That's the whole thing. He can get himself to a place and whatnot. This is not a blueprint for an independent wrestler. And on top of it, all the names you mentioned, except for Joey Janela, all had some kind of WWE tie. Yeah. All those names. So it goes to show that even if even if you're a indie darling, the fact of the matter is, is you had exposure on WWE television. You still have a better chance of making more money and wrestling bigger profile matches on the independent circle mm-hmm. because of that experience, yeah. as opposed to people who didn't have that experience. Right. So you can create this, but the honest answer is get on TV. Because if you get on TV, your asking price goes up. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff there, man. Appreciate it. That is our three count. Let's ring our bell. Make it official. All right. Everybody, thanks for hanging out. We're going to give our our final thoughts and everything. But uh, from the bottom of our hearts, we appreciate you just downloading and listening. Just downloading and uh, whoever's whoever's listening to this to to my voice right now, if you think even if you don't have time to listen to the whole show, just as long as you subscribe and you download, that's what's important, and we appreciate you. But most importantly, we want you to be able to listen too, because we want to be able to entertain you as well. So thank you for listening to our shows and our three count, because we appreciate it. All right, let's go over to you, Sin City. What do you want to tell the good people out there? Thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you for liking, sharing, subscribing, doing all the all the great shit that you guys do. We genuinely appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you. Um, also, very special shout out to all the brave men and women serving this country, whether you're on lands foreign or domestic. We appreciate you doing what you're doing so that we can do what we love to do. Um, and we, we, we owe you everything. Yeah. So thank you. And last but not least, repsports.com, R-E-P-P sports.com. Go there for all of your pre-workout, weight loss, and general energy needs. Again, that's repsports.com. Use promo code Vegas at checkout and save 15%. Hey, by the way, before I go over to Matt Michaels, if, if you're listening to the show and you ever go, hey, you know, I wonder what these guys think of this article, something that you've read. Just send it to our, our uh, email. Uh, Vegas bad oh, yeah. boys of podcasting at gmail.com. Um, if you're able to DM us or throw in as one of our uh, uh, social media, we'll get it and we'll take a look at it and uh, we will love to discuss it. All right. So uh, if you're a part of this as well. Let us know what you like. All right, Matt Michaels, what would you like to say? 
Um, good night. Good night. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you for hanging out. We will see you next week. Until then, take care. Biggest bad boys of podcasting.